Hello and welcome to Media Literate, a collaborative podcast where a bunch of grad students argue with each other about things we're fairly certain we understand. My name is Kim Henry, and you can think of me as your omnipotent narrator. This show is the brainchild of USC's pandemic class of cinema and media studies master's students, each of us with enough moxie and know-how to helm our own podcast, but individually, not nearly enough time. That's why we've teamed up to bring you Media Literate. Each episode will feature a rotating cast of hosts who gather as much to argue as to enlighten each other on the big debates of media, from film and TV to interactive media and gaming, and everything in between. This week, Laura Broman and Charlotte Skurlock will face off to discuss the canon, the so-called greatest movies of all time, and whether or not they actually matter. They're joined by a very special guest, me, a relative film novice to help decide what we think the role of the movie canon should be in our strange modern times. quarantine and welcome to Media Literate. My name is Laura Broman. I am here with Charlotte Skurlock. Hi, I am Charlotte. And Kim Henry. Hi, I'm Kim. All of us are getting our master's degrees in cinema and media studies at the University of Southern California. Every episode on this show, we and our classmates will gather together to try to answer some of media's biggest questions with probably varying degrees of success. We'll see. Um, on this very first of episodes, we'll be talking about the film canon, uh, all those very famous films that everybody says you need to see, but do you really? Um, That's the question. Yeah, but first um, we need to figure out who mathematically is the most qualified to be talking about film. And we've found a very scientific way of figuring this out. There is objective. A, very objective. <laughs> there is a BuzzFeed quiz um, asking how many of the following 100 iconic films we've seen. So we each did it. Ladies, what are your numbers? You want to? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I have seen 67 of the oh, 100 movies. Um, oh, my God. I got 57. Yeah. 57? 57. All right. Um, yeah. So I would just like to preface this really quick. Uh, uh, Charlotte and Laura studied film in their undergraduate institutions. I, Kim, did not. Um, I was an English major, am an English major, because you never get over that. You kind never of leave identity. that. Yeah. Yeah. You never stop being an English major. <laughs> Ask anyone who I've tried to date. It's very. But I just happened to really like movies. Apparently not enough, though. I had seen 38 that's, of okay. 300 that's... movies. Some of them, I didn't even understand fully why they were on there. Like, I get that Back to the Future is like, <laughs> it is a movie that is, I guess, famous. But I wouldn't call it, like, a great movie. Um, yeah, I guess it was... I, it's jarring to see Eraserhead on the same list as like Toy Story. Not to say <laughs> one is better than the other. The Lion King too, yeah, which I have yeah. not seen, by the way, um, um, ever. Can I, can I just say that like, I, Kim, I wanna hear what like, what it said, um, what Buzzfeed told you, what oh, it told you how good it films you are. I have, it said, you've still got some way to go if you want to be the ultimate movie expert. Set aside a weekend and start watching a couple of the classics you may have missed. I like, That's really I'm funny. so offended by this because I haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia, which a movie, I'm never going to see that, by the way. I'm sorry. Um, it doesn't oh God, Peter particularly. No. Um, engaging to me in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's think not I'm one of those gonna... ones that's continued to hold re relevance. <laughs> okay, well, I'll read mine too because I think mine is funny as well. 
You have a very mature taste in films and consider yourself to be quite knowledgeable about all things movie related, which I would think is true. Still, you've got another 33 movies to go if you really want to stand amongst the elite. Um, so I think this degree is nothing unless I finish this BuzzFeed quiz. Um, Kim, what oh does yours God. say? <laughs> So I actually, I got rid of it on accident because oh. I wanted to go back and look at the list of movies because I was just shocked. I think mainly that The Lion King was on there. <laughs> That's really the one. And I just had to go back and make sure. But it was actually really nice to me. I think BuzzFeed is at the point where it's more trying to encourage me to watch movies with positive reinforcement. <laughs> whereas with you guys, the assumption is that like, um shouldn't you know better at this point whereas with me they're like oh baby's first movie come on yeah. you can do it just keep going um, can i just yeah, say I that think I... oh sorry. i think it said um no worries there's a a whole wide world of movies out there waiting for you like what are you waiting oh. for get started it was very pleasant that's beautiful super nice to me yeah. yeah so buzzfeed is um i feel like one of those awful people um whenever like bad news comes out about a man in hollywood where they're like it was really he was really nice to me i don't know <laughs> like buzzfeed isn't just like <laughs> really tearing me down <laughs> buzzfeed was nice to me i don't i can't imagine i can't imagine <laughs> i just feel like buzzfeed was that film bro to me and i take oh offense. yeah i take it well can, can mm -hmm. i just say that i love the use of the word elite in your like definition because in your, in your evaluation because like literally the question is like this is an elitist idea that's like one of the concerns about mm -hmm. the canon itself so like to say like oh if you want to be in the elite you gotta watch these movies what was the biggest hole in your like charlotte but also kim um in your film well, I've, I've never seen Casablanca. Um, oh, I, I thought it would happen to me. I've been taking film studies classes for so long now, literally since <laughs> high school. So I assumed that somebody would have made me watch that by now. Um, and then another one that I think is maybe, I don't know, I've never seen Star Wars and um, that really? does feel, I've never seen it, no. Uh, none and of I them. I think they let you on campus. Damn. I know, like I to, know. Before the world opens back up, you got to get that under your belt. <laughs> wow. I'm not a very big uh, fantasy sort of person. Um, so <laughs> Charlotte's not a nerd like the rest I, of us. I am a nerd. In... Charlotte's a very cool film I'm, studies graduate student. Charlotte girl. has a septum piercing. You can't tell. Um, <laughs> so she doesn't watch Star Wars. I know this is an audio medium, but it is important for you to know. It is important, yeah. Identity. Look, look, I am not like the other girls, okay? I have the not other seen girls Star, who Wars. Are with Star Wars. I yeah. am not like the other girls. I'm just a chill being girl. Being cool has looped back around. Like, not being like other girls is, like, girly again. Like, being liking pink is now not like other girls. Mm -hmm. Yep, definitely. I love it. Um, the so I didn't really have like a specific genre gap or mm -hmm. I mean I don't think I've seen I have seen a Martin Scorsese movie because they play The Departed on TNT like I think they're legally <laughs> required to play it once a week so I've seen that <laughs> you're from New times. England too how could you not I mean listen I'm a Mainer we're <laughs> actually you know what here's the interesting thing uh my family way way back in the day um were the Lowell's of Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, we, we were, um, yeah. So on the one side, I'm a first gen American, like generation American Jamaican kid. And on the other side, uh, my family colonized Lowell, Massachusetts. Look at that. Ain't that exciting. Wow. Um, so yeah, I guess The Departed <laughs> is like my culture. Could you say it? Could you pronounce it correctly? Listen, okay, there's a slight difference between <laughs> a Maine accent and a Boston accent. Okay. Um, and I guess one could potentially pronounce the name of the movie, <laughs> The Departed. The Departed. Yeah. I... It's like a little tinnier. It's a little bit more nasally. Mm. The um, 
one phrase that I like that perfectly sums up the main accent for me mm-hmm. is um, something my mom always used to say, which is, you must think you're some smuckin' fat. <laughs> um, this is okay. totally movie related. Anyways, yeah. Sorry. I, so I haven't, I've seen a Martin Scorsese movie on TNT. Okay. And <laughs> but a lot of them I'd actually seen recently because now that I'm in film school, um, the sort of vague sense of insecurity I've felt about not mm. seeing many of the great movies has become more acute. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. I just watched The Godfather uh, on Christmas Eve and I just watched Chinatown also very recently. Yeah. Um, both of which are movies. The Godfather has more iconic lines and then yeah. every like five seconds in Chinatown there was a shot that I was like oh this seems um iconic I don't <laughs> I don't know where this is from but yeah oh ooh. if you've seen um, who framed Roger Rabbit you've kind of seen Chinatown I have I have seen who's framed Roger Rabbit I did enjoy it more than Chinatown <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the part where where Jack Nicholson is just smacking Faye Dunaway and she's like she's my she's sister. my sister she's, she's my, my daughter, daughter. <laughs> I was like this is fake this isn't real right it's like it's so hard not to laugh at that scene but it's so awful oh my god um well uh, I like Kim I have definitely like tried to kind of catch up on the classics um during quarantine I spent a a lot of my summer months just watching uh Criterion collection movies which is to say I know I'm so cool (laughs) um (laughs) but which is to say um I don't think there's a single international non-United States film on that entire BuzzFeed list. Oh, wait, no, I do remember The Seventh Seal was on there. Um, oh, there but... Seven Samurais, too. A lot of Seven Okay, Samurais. yeah. There's, so, <laughs> but there's, there's are... the very token. Like, I yeah. specifically watched that movie that is famous, whose name I no longer remember, by the director whose name I no longer remember because this is what happens when you hit record. He's the same one who did Seven Samurai. Rashomon? Kurosawa. Rashomon. I specifically watched Rashomon the week after I got into this program because I was like, oh God, I this is going to be embarrassing. Also, (laughs) Rear Window was on that list. A movie in which nothing happens except Grace Kelly looks fabulous. She looks amazing. That's enough to make it great. I know. Um, So this one thing about this BuzzFeed list that was really shocking to me, though, is the absolute range, because you've got Rear Window, you've got some some Hitchcock, you've got some Kurosawa on there, and then The Lion King and also Back to the Future, which makes me think that the canon, like, as an as an English major, yes, um, <laughs> I am also familiar with the concept of the canon and have my mm-hmm. own opinions of it yeah. in a different field. But whatever constitutes like the cinematic canon is really interesting because yeah. it's not just like with literature, it's like high literary, mm-hmm. like important stuff. You, you got to read your Chaucer's, your Shakespeare's, your Faulkner's, et cetera, yeah. which are like important and then with <laughs> movies, it's like important ones, but also like, we got to get back to the future, Marty. Oh. <laughs> That's my Doc Brown. How do you do I you love it. like it? Thank you. We got to um, do it, Marty. Um, I think that, I, I think that maybe that's because um, film, I don't know, the incubation period with like Shakespeare was like when, I mean, oh, I yeah. wasn't an English major. Marvel so. movies, as an English major, Marvel movies are modern Shakespeare and I will fight anyone who disagrees because Shakespeare is pop trash right exactly so Shakespeare is pop trash and like uh Back to the Future is um a little bit pop trash but it's also just very like it's a decent movie it's a fun time it's yeah we enjoy it yeah enjoy it and it became a classic it became canon over time I actually don't know anything about what happened when it came out but yeah, so today uh, we are going to be trying to answer this question. Um, Charlotte is coming from the position that no, we don't need the canon, and I Easy am. Easy for you to say, Charlotte. You've seen basically <laughs> all of it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I will be taking the pro canon position. Um, yeah. 
I guess and we should. I really don't know. I'm I'm the tiebreaker, and yeah. um, Charlotte slash Laura is gonna have to convince me because at this point, it's not even just a uh, a philosophical conversation. This is practical <laughs> because I don't know what I should be spending the next year and a half of my life doing. Like, is it worth putting in the energy to try and knock out? the canon, the, the top hundred, depending on who you're talking to. Um, or can I just keep being like a slick little spy up in USC, pretending like I'm smart enough to hang out with these cool kids? Just keep uh, watching Marvel movies until you die. I mean, I will. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a pleasant enough existence. At the risk of sounding like a 75-year-old man, we live in a world that is very ephemeral. Memes and viral internet posts will rise and fall in the space of a week or a day. Mm. Iconic films are anchor points in our culture that provide meaning on a much more long-lasting sort of scale than um, a lot of things other a, a lot of other things do. And I think it is important to understand these cultural icons on a deeper level than just knowing the quotes. Canon films, uh, as we've kind of, all, all of us kind of understand them, create a shared cultural language uh, where references to the films are the equivalent of words and sentences. And ooh, yes, like ooh. all language, it is oppressive and knowing that language doesn't mean you can't or you shouldn't learn other ones, but mm -hmm. no. <laughs> I'm really invested. You're doing so Thank well. Thank you. This is convincing. But, but knowing how to speak it is a very useful tool. Um, mm -hmm. Unless you saw The Godfather when you were very, very young, you were probably recommended. No, but if you, unless you saw it when you were very, very young, you were probably inundated with references to the movie before you even knew that that's what you were watching. Uh, whether it's the, the horse head in the bed or I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Uh, you know, we know these are part of our cultural language. And when we just repeat these references over and over without understanding where they come from, they lose their meaning. And, then uh, and Kim, the simulacrum. Kim, you know what semiotics are and I don't. So I think that you should agree with me even more than I agree with me on this. Yeah, I, it sounds really cool. I'll never understand what it means. So look, if you just want to continue existing in this postmodern hellscape we live in where everything is just a reference to a reference to a reference and nothing has any inherent meaning or value, then okay. Mm -hmm. But having seen uh, at least some of these movies, I think will provide a much richer, deeper viewing experience in, in everything that you watch going forward. Um, and I think that this goes for both the good and the bad. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but with something like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. When people use that, it's like, oh, it's a really snappy comeback. Yeah, but if we forget that it comes from a deeply racist, inappropriately nostalgic movie like Gone with the Wind, then we just continue to kind of uh, unknowingly perpetuate the deep-seated racism that is woven into the fabric of Hollywood. Wow. In conclusion, mm. I have a very stupid metaphor, but I just thought of it and it works so well. Okay, in Memento, <laughs> a great film that I think everybody should see, he he writes like the words down on his arm. Have either of you seen Memento or is this- I have, yes. Okay. This really seems very out of character for you, Laura. Are you being <laughs> sarcastic? <laughs> Okay, Memento, so in, a great film that you, okay. Memento go. is a good I'm film. So okay, no, I believe he you. writes the stuff on his arm. I'm holding up my arm to demonstrate, but people listening can't hear that. But mm -hmm. uh, he writes stuff on his arm because he has that memory thing where he can't remember stuff. But then he misreads the 
the quotes, he misreads the lines and he doesn't remember what they mean and he misinterprets them. And those without having seen the movies, all we have is the, are these words on our arm that mean nothing. And we're just gonna keep misinterpreting shit. And Charlotte's got this look on her face, like that's not a perfect metaphor, but no, it is. Okay, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I will say it's a good metaphor. However, just to be snarky, <laughs> isn't that a bit of a simulacrum, Laura? I don't know where to continue because I don't really understand how simulacrums work. I don't but know how to use simulacrum in a sentence, but yeah. This is, is one of those moments sure. where 10 years from now, I'm going to be like, that idiot, she has <laughs> no idea. Um, but I do know how to say Baudrillard, and I'm confident that I could spell Baudrillard. Um, so, woo. Um, okay. Laura, you were really convincing. That worked Thank very you. well. Thank Charlotte, you. I don't know how you're going to come back from that. That was yeah. a strong opening case from the pro canon camp. Yeah, that was very strong. Mine is going to be far less articulate. Remember, you're already starting um, from an advantage because you're, you're, you're more film smart than I am. You've seen oh, your yeah. 10 more movies you're more film smart than I am. Oh yeah, you're much closer to the elite. Stop attacking me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have no social life. I just watch movies. Um, okay, so anyways, I, I agree with a lot of what Laura said. Um, I agree that cultural context is important and that like there is a certain literacy that comes from seeing a set of very popular films. However, <laughs> I think that in academia, there's a difference between creating this, you know, sort of universal dialogue and um, continuing to uphold movies without much context uh, and um, not providing, not providing the adequate context, um, despite these films being a part of the canon. I think that also when we focus our curriculums on primarily Hollywood films or um, Hollywood films with a few European films, specifically French New Wave, uh, and at least at my undergrad institution, the big three that you had like literally department, the department required that everybody watch in film analysis, the big intro class, uh, Citizen Kane, Battleship Potemkin and Breathless. Um, and that class focused pretty exclusively on outside of those on classical Hollywood cinema. Um, and so, yes, there is significance in having seen a lot of these movies and understanding these cultural references. But um, I think there's also a point at which the canon and the inclusion, you know, the, the stick to the canon philosophy kind of makes it so that it crowds out other mm. um, really great works. And it also maybe mm -hmm. makes it so that you have to watch a bunch of stuff that you don't like and that isn't <laughs> maybe very interesting and is kind of like, I don't know, I watched The Godfather for the first time in October and it was fine. Um, <laughs> it was fine. Like I felt it yeah. was, there were a lot of references. It's very long uh, and not quite my cup of tea. Um, but I also, I watched it for a class where really the context of, uh, any any negative cultural effects or um, the already enormous popularity were not mentioned at all. All we did was mm. talk about how The Godfather is the greatest movie with the exception of The Godfather <laughs> 2. And to me, that just doesn't feel like a satisfying conversation. Uh, mm. And to, I mean, if we think about what the canon is, which varies, you know, we have the BuzzFeed list. I've looked at a few other lists over the past week or two. And the majority of these movies are made by and including white males um, mm -hmm. from Hollywood. These are not stories about like anyone other than uh, white men. And they're not, you know, we watch them regardless, but they're not really presenting substantive characters outside of that one category 
And when they do, it's frequently in this very oppressive mode or problematic or offensive mode. So that's my, uh, I think that's a little ramble of my opening statement. So I loved uh, it. I particularly appreciated that you talked about um, having to watch movies that you don't like. Which yeah, is, um, that's a very good point. Interestingly, my take on The Godfather is actually very pro-diversity because where I'm from in Maine, white people are just like white people. You know, there's, there's no like cultural specificity aside from their like general Mainerness. Mm, um, uh-huh. So I was like, oh, look at these like specific whites <laughs> like oh um I thought I feel like I learned a lot about another culture <laughs> um but as for your two examples I haven't seen Memento uh, oh, and it. I haven't seen um Battleship Potemkin <laughs> Potemkin yeah. um so yeah I it's maintain that Citizen, Citizen Kane rules yeah like, it's, it's good it's I, I thought it would be Citizen better Kane. because everyone's like, it's Citizen Kane, but I was like, no, this is a good movie. I was it's surprised good. by how good in like a modern sense it was. Like it felt like a movie yeah. that could have been made today, which was surprising. Yeah. I have just seen that movie so many <laughs> times and I am pursuing an academic career. And sometimes I just think, about how many more times in my life I am going to have to watch Citizen Kane. And I think I might lose my mind because it's just like, I've seen, you know, Rosebud and like the little, the the bird that squawks in the middle and news on the march. Like, I sorry, not to, these are my Citizen Kane highlights. You're welcome, America. I also watched Citizen um, Kane two weeks after I got into uh, USC. <laughs> I was this like, is oh, the thing. It's so oh. much more than the Rosebud though. It's so much more. It's and like whole life. It's so, oh my God. I, this is one of, just one of those things where like Citizen Kane is so mainstream that like to me it feels like a hot take to actually like it like Romeo and Juliet or like I don't know but I mean, Romeo and Juliet's good the, the 90s movie with Leo is hot. amazing I will chains. die on the this is the actual hill that I will die on is that that movie is good it's like a good movie and it's a great adaptation of Romeo hell and Juliet hell yeah I love oh that movie I love um, that yeah, movie Shakespeare's weird and if you don't lean into it it's silly exactly um, so I have questions for yes. you guys, though, based on yes. those opening arguments, because, yes. um, like, listen, Charlotte, you're already, you're kind of at an advantage at this point, besides <laughs> being um, an elite, according to <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> but also, if you win, I have to do slightly less work or could feel mm. less bad about right. not mm. having seen movies such as Battle Tip, Battle Tip. <laughs> Battleship Potemkin. Yeah. <laughs> Just the battle tips. I'm sorry. Anyways, um <laughs> I would have to feel less bad about that and have to put in less work. Um so that mm. would be cool. But well, I would oh okay. Well you already have a response. To I, that. I mean I know, great. I guess you didn't even finish the question. Maybe I should let you finish first and then I'll answer. Absolutely not. You're an elite. You don't have to listen to me. <laughs> okay. I'm never well, gonna let this go. I <laughs> To be honest, and I know this is like super annoying to say, but I don't necessarily think there's that much value to just like watching Battleship Potemkin without studying Soviet montage and why Soviet montage style is significant. And I think that mm-hmm. that is something that really happens in a film studies class. I'm not opposed to watching Battleship Potemkin. I actually really liked the format that we used in that class with those three examples. Um, it was to look at three different types of editing and I thought it was pretty uh-huh. effective. Yeah. Um, so it's not that I'm opposed to it, but I think, I'm not saying Kim just like stop watching movies and like rewatch <laughs> everything or I don't know, but I, I think that like, you can you don't have to just like watch what the letterboxed bros say is good because it's like famous i think you can just choose what you like and Mm -hmm. if you don't like something turn it off and turn something else on um but yeah i do think there's some significance with some of these films to 
film studies pedagogy and having the context from a professor in a classroom. Um, so here's my question mm -hmm. um, on a couple different levels. One, you're reminding me of when I read Frankenstein, um, mm. a book that I did not enjoy <laughs> reading because it is, uh, they really, yeah. really give a shit about mountains in a way that I do not give a shit about mountains. The romantics, whatever. Uh, but I loved analyzing it, like thinking about it and writing about it after the fact was deeply enjoyable. So my question um, would be kind of, this is something that you've got to defend, Laura. Say the point of watching Battleship Potemkin is that I want to understand more about Russian or Soviet montage. So I do know about Soviet montage. Hey. I've done, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are reasons why I'm here. Um, but, you know, and I've seen clips from it. Like, is that sufficient or is there a reason why I should watch the whole thing? I don't oh, know. Damn. I kind of don't think it's such a boring movie. It is so hard to follow. We're, we're going to get kicked out of this goddamn I know, <laughs> I know. I suck. But I also, it's, I'm sorry, like, literally find me a person who is like, I just love, you know, when I'm, when I'm stressed out and want something to relax, you know, an old classic favorite, I'm going to watch Strike, where like, <laughs> it's just, that's just not, it's not. Murder that it's... cow. A reference that I know, having not hey. seen the whole movie. See, but I mean, also, like, maybe this is uh, another thing that will get me kicked out of film school, but like, not all of Soviet montage movies are in the Soviet montage style. Like you can, mm. you know, and so it's like, there's a lot of it that is kind of culturally specific, kind of time specific and kind of just like hard to understand as an American watching this film a hundred mm. years after it was made. <laughs> um, it's just not, it's not the same experience. And I do think that you can, with enough practice and viewing enough scenes, I think you can get the gist. I don't, I don't think, like, I can't really tell you much about a Soviet montage film mm. without, like, other than just, like, the famous scenes, like the Odessa steps, and, right. like, there's, like, the cow, and I can remember a few other little things, but the plots are extremely hard to follow. Strike is a ridiculous movie, and I have no idea what happened. All Anyways. right, Laura, get in here. <laughs> I would argue that, I mean, look, you make a great point about like, you shouldn't have to watch something you don't want to watch because that's what a lot, it's why I haven't watched 2001 A Space Odyssey yet. Another giant hole in that Buzzfeed quiz for me. I just don't want to watch it. But like, not every movie that you watch has to be watched because it's entertaining. And this is something that we just assume about Hollywood, with, with, growing up with Hollywood, is that films are gonna be entertaining. And I love entertaining films, but sometimes they can be like intellectually stimulating. And I think that that's something that uh, people should not be opposed to, should be open to. Like there are, uh, to, be, to be honest, of course I haven't seen all of Battleship Potemkin. Who the <laughs> fuck has? The Soviets I have twice. Did not. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe you should be our. Maybe we should switch really sides. Kicking then. our ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in class, yeah. by the way, not because I wanted to. <laughs> but yeah, like some films are. I think that the battleship, battleship Potemkin. It's not that long, right? It's like an hour and a half or something. Mm -hmm. Um, it still feels long. Obviously. Oh yeah. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> but watching all of it does give a a lot of insight into that filmmaking style of Soviet montage and also this story that it was trying to tell. Whatever that story was, this is where I put it at disadvantage because this is the movie that we decided to focus on. In yeah, this and I, I, I think this is not a great example because I actually, mm -hmm. I do think that there is more significant <laughs> value in watching Battleship Potemkin than like, yeah. I don't know, Chinatown, which is a movie that I think we all, oh, you didn't I'm like sorry. Chinatown? I liked, it was fine, but it was, it, I wasn't, I don't think it's like something I would be like, you. if you want to understand mm, cinema. Yeah. Um, and I would say also that I think that, well, I agree with you on your point that um, you do have to watch some movies 
for that in full for them to really make sense and to have the effect like mm-hmm. i don't see gene dealman popping up on a ton of these lists <laughs> well it fucking should it's okay sh- I mean, I, but Gene Dielman, four-hour movie where a lady takes a shower and cooks meatloaf. Fuck yes. It's so, all right. I think <laughs> we should move on. What I'm, okay. I point to Charlotte on this one only because she's objectively right and you clearly <laughs> agree with her, Laura. Um, so, but now, I really, I got I the better side move. on this one. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so there are a lot of films in the canon that are, um, let's say awful (laughs) in particular pretty racist or like deeply offensive um for you know a lot of reasons people being generally bad but also historical context um Mm -hmm. movies like uh triumph of the will Right. Or Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Yeah. yeah. A movie that I have no intention of seeing, no matter no. what professor tries to cajole me into it. It's just like, it's long. <laughs> I have a limited amount of life as a Black woman. And why would I spend some of that <laughs> paying attention to this? Um, right. Well, it's uh, not, yeah, it's like, not the worst thing about that movie, but it is fucking 190 minutes long. Yeah. That is. Yeah. It's that's not, like. And it oh is. Oh my not, God. Birth of a Nation, not, you know? kind of a, a long film pacing not awesome and that is the takeaway <laughs> that is the main takeaway mm-hmm. um well this is where i'm just going to lose this debate i think because i think that w- one thing that is still like some like a, a barrier between what charlotte and i are arguing is talking about is this are we talking about like teaching something in a film studies class or are we talking about talking about it with your friends um mm-hmm. i would not recommend just sitting down with some popcorn and watching Birth of a Nation or Triumph of the Will um, because they're bad and white supremacist and fascist and stuff. But I do think it is important to like understand. And I I mean, this is, again, I'm just probably going to be agreeing with what Charlotte would say, which is that there is a problem in the way these movies are taught. Um, Actually, I have an anecdote. Okay. I, so um <laughs> so it has been pointed out on multiple occasions that uh the 1977 star wars which charlotte somehow hasn't seen uh bears a lot of uh is very is very reminiscent of triumph of the will the nazi propaganda documentary mm-hmm, yes. um and not just in the stormtroopers aesthetic and like the empire aesthetic, but also in especially the final scene where Leia like gives the medals to Han and Luke um, is just ex- like very visually similar to a scene from Triumph of the Will. And um, I don't think that George Lucas meant anything by this because uh, excellent director gave a lot of money to USC. But as a director, I'm pretty sure he just does things because they look cool. And uh, he saw that scene. It did look cool. Yes. But um, yeah, so but it is still in there. And there's there's two obvious problems with this. One is that uh, whoever taught him about Triumph of the Will did it wrong because the lesson he took away was, wow, gosh, this looks so cool and not Nazi propaganda is dangerous and and insidious. And Mm -hmm. uh, the second problem though, is that everybody who watches Star Wars without understanding that visual reference is kind of unknowingly being pushed into watching like, like fascist aesthetic, but in a way that we're supposed to root for because we're rooting for the, like the rebels who like, I mean, every political, every ideological movement sees itself as Luke and Han. They don't see themselves as the evil empire. And so it's like, we're just being kind of guided to uh, like, to, to like that kind of aesthetic that was, it was so powerful in Triumph of the Will. And that's a problem. Like it's a, that's a dangerous thing. And mm-hmm. it's important as, as awful and like painful as it is to like see the imagery of Triumph of the Will, it, we do need to understand it. And so you like, obviously when we teach it in class, it shouldn't just be like, look at this really effective documentary. Uh, but it does, I think it needs to be understood because uh, we can't just have the, the most popular movies of all time just replicating uh, mm-hmm. Nazi aesthetic. So yeah. 
I don't know if that answered your question, a, but it was a point no, that it I wanted 100% to make. Did um, hey. yeah, and I think also there's an element of not understanding how to use film language and mm. imagery. This is semiotics. Um, yes. Yeah. Here we go. Gonna teach you something, Laura. Uh, is <laughs> that if I associate, uh, I've only seen fifty seven films, so. Um, I was shocked that I had seen 38 films, but that's just because I don't understand how numbers work, honestly. Um, But when you associate those images, like fascist imagery, fascist aesthetics, with just randomly the empire at certain moments and the rebels at other moments, it dissipates the significance of the referent, right? Is you have your signifier and your reference. So the signifier is are those like really hard lines and that cool um, stuff. So when you associate those fascist images, the images of the fascist aesthetic, which are those like hard lines and the massive like hyper controlled crowds mm-hmm. and the funny yeah. figurehead, all of that. So that is a signifier that has a specific reference, which is fascism. Wow. Um, but yeah, I know semiotics. It's so That's cool. Amazing. It's structuralism so cool. is fun. It ultimately doesn't work, which is why post-structuralism exists. Um, but when you associate all of those things willy-nilly with the empire and then also the rebels, you're dissipating this really powerful sign, and it can ultimately just like not be be used very well artistically. Like mm-hmm. if the rebels the whole time are just this like milling crowd that's like vague uh communist imagery as well or socialist imagery of like the masses and they're all running to their ships and they're all gonna get in their ships together and then all of a sudden they win and they're like very orderly and nazi (laughs) then you're not creating a very significant visual language so Mm -hmm. wow point to laura okay well charlotte didn't even get the chance to say anything God, I didn't know I was going to be an impartial judge. I that was a really good point. And it gave me an excuse to talk about semiotics. I, I love hearing about semiotics. Um, also, can I, I just say that my point was like, I think Charlotte will probably win this one. So I love that you gave me that point. Yeah, I'm really happy. Listen, you're at a disadvantage on multiple levels, Laura. I thought <laughs> <to> you. <laughs> okay, so yes, Laura is at a disadvantage uh just to say my my piece um uh i think the reason why these films are still talked about instead of just kind of being like this is horrible and oppressive and racist and we're just going to put it away and not you know talk about it ever um i think the reason these movies which i would say we have done with like a lot of movies because it was a, a, not a great time. Uh, and anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but uh, I think that there's, um, oh God. Oh God, what was I saying? Oh, oh, okay. Historically, these movies are very, very significant in the history of film production. They utilize new techniques. And I think that's like what's so frustrating to people Mm -hmm. about these two movies among many others. But like, it's like, we kind of have to talk about it because like nobody had done that before and it's technically really impressive and also ideologically really, really dangerous because Mm -hmm. as we probably know, like the clan started wearing hoods and kind of had a a revitalization because of the birth of a nation. Uh, I believe that's true. I hope that's, well, I I mean, I I might need to (laughs) fact check myself. You hope that you are correct. I hope that I'm correct. Ideally that uh, would not have About the hood thing. I feel like I can just imagine some little, some little somebody being like, actually they wore hoods (laughs) before. Anyways, um, I think that there, I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, I think you need to know about those films, but I don't think they're ones that like should be promoted and shown just like all the time and be, you know, wildly accessible. <laughs> um, I think we just said 
the same thing. So yeah, yeah exactly. I think that these movies need to be studied by film scholars and possibly by non-film scholars as well, uh, but taken with a, a huge spoonful of salt as opposed to a single <laughs> grain. Yeah. Um, yes. Which is funny because white supremacists don't salt their food nearly enough. Ayo, take that white supremacists. Is that a hey, did you know that I just defeated white supremacy? <laughs> that was it. That's all it took. Uh, QAnon, Google him. Over. God. Over. Doesn't exist anymore. Um, Got him. <laughs> yeah, I think obviously, like it's it, it's hard to imagine it. Like, like Birth of a Nation just being up on HBO Max just to watch. Mm-hmm. Like that. I definitely not. Um, and to be clear, like with the actual real life example of them like taking Gone with the Wind down and then re-uploading it with like a little little bit of information on why it's racist. I don't think that, I mean, it's a little too easy to skip past that video. And it is hard to imagine like what's the right way to, to give people access to this without just letting them just, yeah, disseminating birth of a nation. Um, mm. It is, <laughs> it's also, I mean, not to like, not, this is a kind of a whole different conversation, but I also think that it's, it's a problem to only keep these conversations within like film studies classes because um, not everybody has access to that. And absolutely, yes. That's an issue, but. That's a good point. I was really just thinking about us in our particular context. I, I don't even know if USC's Canopy has, um, Canopy is like a library streaming service for the, uh, uninitiated I guess (laughs) Um, but I don't know if Birth of a Nation is on there I haven't looked it up because I haven't attempted to watch it in my free time Um, but that is actually interesting my the professor who I TA'd for last semester she posted a bunch of clips of Triumph of the Will to her YouTube video or YouTube channel so that we Mm -hmm. could like watch them for class because we were learning about fascist imagery uh-huh. and it was a very specific context and YouTube deleted her whole channel all of, of her videos were, wow. were like done and she yeah. she contacted them and she's like I'm a film studies professor this is to teach about fascism um <laughs> and it's it's a tough call because on the one hand YouTube doesn't know that but <laughs> like I mean yay for YouTube for taking down Triumph of the Will, but also once again, even though supposedly they're very aesthetically convincing and everyone was super convinced by <laughs> Nazi propaganda, which I mean, I guess they were, but also it's very easy to, to just be lazy during <laughs> uh, times of awfulness as we can all see now. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot imagine watching Triumph of the Will now and being like, that there fella up there with the funny mustache, he's got some good ideas. Like, it's not convincing. <laughs> it's not that great. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was enough to convince George Lucas to just slip a little bit of it into his movie. Um, he was like, you know what? This with color and an actual plot, that could be good. I just, okay, I've heard this is a little <laughs> bit apocryphal, but I've heard that George Lucas got the idea for, for Chewbacca from like when he was driving to work and his dog was sitting in the shotgun seat and he was like, this is exactly what I want to put in my movie. And the fact that so he we, put in- He wasn't thinking that's that true. hard about it. Maybe. Put in the same amount of thought to that as he did to putting in Tribe of the Will. Like, that's just George. Ah, we love him, but- Maybe George should have watched Triumph of the Will in full. And, <laughs> he didn't know and how it ended. Context. Never yeah. <laughs> you know, you see the ending of Triumph of the Will, and actually, that's that's the moment where you get it. It's like, oh, Nazis, right? Oh, this is what this is what? about. What? <laughs> What's going on here? All right. Um. So yeah, I feel should. like we talked about this for a decent amount of time. I'm. Yeah. I don't know who I'm giving the point to because Laura made several very good points at the beginning and then decided to undo them. So I'm just gonna ignore that, Laura. <laughs> really. <laughs> Really trying to level the play. I'm just you here making it hard. for a good debate. I don't care who wins. Just <laughs> yeah, I think a good debate usually involves someone going, "You know what? Actually, you're right." And I walk away. Yeah. You know what? That we would probably be better off right now if that were the case. Um, but I do want to look forward. Looking forward, 
Um, yes. So if the canon, right, if I don't have to watch all of it, let's say, to be um, learned and whatnot, and remember to not put fascist aesthetic in <laughs> any of my future creative projects. Sure. Um, so what is the option for being like well-read? I don't know how to say that for movies. It's like well-watched, but well that watched. feels weird. Yeah. Well-watched under constant surveillance. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what? what's my option? Is there is there a way for me to be an educated person about movies without having seen the seven samurai or seven or the seventh seal i haven't seen any of those well i would say absolutely <laughs> can i just can i just interrupt for a second it's pronounced sevenin because the actual spelling is <laughs> s-e-7-e-n and if you don't pronounce it that way then you're not film literate kim okay artistic choice david fincher is an auteur <laughs> genius <laughs> Just think of all the ways he can kill women in violent <laughs> manners and show them for long periods of time. Uh, <laughs> what's in the box? Wow. Uh, anyways, I absolutely think that there is a way to understand film cultures and film logic and film grammar without having seen all of these movies. Mm -hmm. And my my little, you know, annoying response retort would be well does having seen all of these movies mean that you are an expert on cinema because I would say absolutely not you tell us Charlotte no You're I think no because <laughs> I have so many a member like, of the elite sorry like, I'm so, so sorry many, so many people so many bros you know have watched all of these movies and probably could score mm -hmm. higher than me on that BuzzFeed quiz but like do they really know, like, not to, I'm about to be very pretentious here, but I don't think that means that they can approach film in a, a, a meaningful way necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a different mm -hmm. skill rather than just like checking off boxes. Yeah. There's something to be said for like being able to watch something and understand the different style and the different form and the cultural impact. And I don't think that just like watching a canon list of films is going to provide that. Um, and it can, you know, it's like, you just, it's, it's, that's not the end of like film scholarship. And so I don't think it has to be the beginning either. I think. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> All right, I, I feel like I've undercut your incredible line, but what a that finisher. That was very well like, put. I'm impressed. A combo, all right? <laughs> okay, oh, I'm good. gonna quit while, I was ahead, while I'm ahead because uh, that just rolled right out. And um, yeah, I think it's uh, how I wanna be remembered um, in, the, in the canon of this podcast. Wow, wow. Excellent, wow. okay. Come on, Laura. Okay. We're coming so, up from behind, I'm being honest. So. Damn it. Oh, okay. Um, there is a thought experiment that I'm going to very, very like atrociously butcher because I've only, I only know about it from Ex Machina. Uh, I close my eyes. Oh, I've seen that movie. Right. And it's I've really good. It's really good. So Mary in the Black and White Room. I really don't remember what it was, but I just thought of it. So again, another reference. Laura. I don't know if you're gonna be able to pull this one out. <laughs> okay, the no, thought experiment no, no. that you don't remember. <laughs> Mary, Mary knows everything there is to know about color and color theory. Okay, but my eyes are closed. Just so you know, picture yourself in a black and white room, and picture that. Picture yourself as Mary. You know everything about, um, like color and everything about every, you know every Do color on the color spectrum and whatever all the color sense but you're in a black and white room so okay. you can't fully process what it means to know color and so uh because you're in a in a in a, in a place without color and so mm -hmm. knowing all of the theories and all of the references you're still in the black and white room until you can actually go and see these movies because having like knowing the the theory and the techniques and like all of the things that make 
um, mm -hmm. that shape our understanding of film are good to know, but you also need to like watch the movies. And so you could just watch like Disney Channel original movies for the rest of your life, which personally I, would I wouldn't. I do know several of our friends also at me. USC. Yes. Would. <laughs> like, and you could also learn all of these um, like the history and the like techniques and the theories. But if all you watch is DCOMs as, <laughs> sorry, God, if all you watch are Disney Channel original movies, then oh, that's, God. you are completely limited. <laughs> oh my God, this is so embarrassing. You are completely limited to those films. And I think that's mm -hmm. a, I think that watching these films does in some way expand your, your understanding of the world. Even if mm -hmm. we should also be watching like not just white man films. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. conclusion to the uh, pro-white man argument. So. <laughs> okay. Mary in um, the black and white room. Did so I get that right? All, listen, <laughs> I don't know, it's it been a minute since cave. I've watched. Yeah, there's Plato's that cave. Too. I think, was that Plato? Let's, it's a little wow, bit like so the you're actually really cave. missing. Fine, your... I'll rephrase it <laughs> with the cave metaphor. I would just, please don't. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh, that's a really interesting example of how you, someone who is not familiar with the, like, I want to say maybe the canon of philosophy, has yeah. thus uh, missed the initial reference that's for true. the random ex machina. Um, okay, yeah. so Laura, you do not get points for delivery on that because you <laughs> did not know. <laughs> you did not know the thought experiment that you were trying to explain. So I need you to know that that's, that is going to take, that's going to dock a little bit of your points for that. It was shockingly convincing, uh, <laughs> despite, <laughs> despite that. So for listeners, part of what I think you need to understand about how I'm about to judge this situation is um, as the creator of um, X-Men New Mutants would say, there are two bears inside of me. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I've just said worst ones. Those are the opening, yes. are the opening lines of that movie. Is there's two those? bears inside of me. Yeah, he, he wrote it too. He wrote that script and he was like, there's two bears inside of me. This is how I'm going to start a movie with a Native American protagonist. That's how we're going to do it. Um, oh. But on the one hand... I would I have a I would really like to not um, watch all of these canon movies because they do not seem particularly interesting to me. Um, I yeah they they just don't seem that <laughs> like that fun and there are a lot of other things that I would rather watch. On the other hand, the second bear uh, is a deep sense of insecurity that <laughs> I uh, I don't know entirely how to address and. Um, I think that it would make me feel better at least to have watched these movies and then be able to say, no, I, it was fine. That, that was several hours of my life gone. Um, so I'm actually curious, did either of you convince yourselves away from something? I'm just assuming, actually, Laura, I know this for a fact. You don't actually, you're not pro-canon. You weren't good at hiding. Either. Um, I, did you convince yourself? I, I, I'm, I'm so good that I did a little bit. Like, no, I, the thing about like understanding, the, I think that understanding these references as more than just references to other references is like mm -hmm. important. The only example I could think of this is like, you know, the say meme and how that comes from that I SNL skit. Okay, but, but the SNL the skit was based on the OC, which is not something that I think people need to see. But like, it's just weird that like, that we really yeah so it's okay. it's weird that like we don't know where it originates but it that's so ubiquitous in our society we live in a society i just said that um it can't be that ubiquitous because i don't know about it and you don't know what, the, what you say mean no the, mm, what you say, and then mm -hmm. you shoot someone and then mm, what you say starts playing and then they get up and then they shoot someone yeah. back and it's just like um you know what google it yeah, we're not sure. going to be able we'll to do, do it. We'll do. <laughs> it's not, that, but like, yeah. The the Mary in the Black and White Room 
who has studied color theory and understands everything about color theory but hasn't seen color um that was like weirdly convincing um <laughs> I feel like okay okay Charlotte, I agree it was convincing <laughs> I completely agree However, I'm not saying just like don't watch movies. That's not like I sure want to be very clear. Like I, that is very much not how I feel. Like I think we should watch movies. I don't know, Cheryl. I think that that's what you were saying. Also, has she has she lived in this room forever? Like she's just been how like it's a thought experiment. I don't know oh, what it is. Okay? The, story, the background story of Mary. Yeah, me. who is Mary? How old is she? Like, has she been taken care of? How? Who gave her all these materials on color? I don't know theory? if you've seen Ex Machina, but no, is I have. Um, <laughs> she's not. Oh been taken no, care. definitely not. There's nobody's taken care of there except for is it Oscar Isaac? Oscar Isaac. Listen, yeah. yes, he's a bad guy, but when he does that dance scene, I was like, <laughs> look, lock me up in your basement. <laughs> dance with me. Force me to dance this. <laughs> like, I will learn every choreography that you need me to learn. Just yeah. keep punching your punching bag with your sexy ass. He ears. did. It was, he looked... He was like, oh, I'm hungover. Gotta just deal with this with exercise. That's <laughs> who I yeah. like in my life. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, anyways. Completely no. Watch Charlotte, movies. I was I was strawmanning you a little bit. Straw womaning you, if yeah, you will. Straw and I'm sorry. Person, uh, thank straw you. personing you. I don't think that straws have genitalia. We're doing great. I okay, was... guys, this is my wrap up. I'm wrapping this up. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's time. It's time. <laughs> Listen up, kids. I would say that um, I feel like I actually do have to pick one because both of you were so wishy-washy on actually making arguments for either side. Um, so I'm going to shove off my insecurity. Um, God, it's just you did make some really good points, Laura. Damn. Charlotte's right. I agree with Charlotte. I thought it's I kind of you agree it's, with Charlotte. It's, it's like an unanswerable question, yeah. I think. You know, and I like, take there's... it back. The thing that I'm going to do, because that's the real question, because we can't answer for everyone what yeah. you should whether or not you should spend your time watching the canon. I have recently started asking trusted white men in my life um, what their douchey white dude movie recommendations are and I phrase it in such a way that they know that I think that they're douches for recommending <laughs> that I watch these movies but that I need um to have someone who I value at least a little bit to suggest <laughs> sure yeah for yeah. these movies so that I, I do it and I think that also George Lucas just tossing in some triumph of the will <laughs> like I don't think it means that I have to watch Birth of a Nation. And that's the only reason why I'm going to say that I am coming out pro-canon. If being pro-canon means that I do have to watch Birth of a Nation, though, fuck it. Yeah. That is, that's the, that's the stance. That's the winner. Charlotte, you made a lot of really, really good points, but that were not quite specific enough to explain to me exactly <laughs> why I would be wrong to put energy into watching the canon. I cannot believe You're I lost devastated. this. <laughs> I know, because I, I went in with the objectively easier uh, no, hang on. stance. I'll say that that what you said is essentially was, I will watch the movies that are on this, this, this amorphous list, except for the ones I really don't want to watch, which was kind of what Charlotte was arguing, because so... We're a little well, bit guys, like... We're not good at debating. <laughs> yeah, I think this is just like an actually like, Oh, we all pretty much agree. And then like, let's, you know, let's, let's work this out. But if a single yeah. man listens to this podcast, the comments will be insufferable. Yeah, we're... I'm sorry, men, for that <laughs> comment. Um, but not that much. All right, I think we did a very good job. I think so too. to talk about Kevin.
All right, folks, Laura had to leave, but there's one last segment before we say goodbye that Charlotte and I would like to take you through. Um, this may be a podcast about arguing and debating, but there's one thing that our whole cohort can agree on, and that is the fact that Twilight is a completely iconic film. We've bonded over it. We've all watched it. We've shared our totally still hot takes from a movie that came out in 2008, and we love it. Well, all of us love it, except for one. Kevin Jensen has so far refused to engage in our Twilight standship, so we decided to end every episode with a segment we like to call, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Basically, every week we're going to call and lightly harass our dear friend until he finally breaks down and watches Twilight with us. You ready, Charlotte? Because it's, it's ridiculous that it's taken this long. So yes, I'm ready. Okay. Whatever we have to do to make <laughs> this happen. We need to right this wrong in the universe. Yes. I just don't see how you can get into this program. Without having seen Twilight? Without having seen Twilight. I just don't get it. Hello? Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Kim. How's it going? It's good. So, Kevin, I have some questions for you. Um, Charlotte's here Hi. also. Say hello, Charlotte. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Char hey Charlotte. How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> uh, just wonderful. Huh? So... Let's get to the meat of it, Kevin. Let's, we need to set some things straight. You have not seen Twilight. Is this correct? No, I have not seen Twilight. Okay. Yes, I guess. I have not seen Twilight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what's, what's holding you back at this point? Well, you know, it, 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 these are trying times, you know. It's, uh, you know, I just never got into the uh, whole vampire thing either, I guess. But, you know, it's... It, maybe it'll happen someday, but... <laughs> well, hopefully that day is soon. I'm wondering, have you have you ever, like, read the books? Have you ever had a girlfriend or someone who's, like, engaged you on this level? Like, do you know anything no, about never Twilight? Read the books. <laughs> never read the books. I was never forced to watch the movies or anything, yeah. <laughs> okay, if Force, I were to say... Force is a, an inappropriate word to use, I would say. Uh, it is a privilege enlightened with the cinematic to. masterpiece that is twilight baseball has never Sorry. been the same babe ruth and twilight two game changers for the sport yeah seriously kevin aren't you into sports i mean <laughs> and you haven't seen twilight like that baseball scene is my favorite sports sequence of all time i have, I have heard of the favorite baseball scene yes is twilight um, a sports yeah, movie <laughs> that's our next mm. episode so if you are going to watch Twilight, could you maybe like fit it in next week? Like, what are you, what are we thinking? Like, what's our timeline? Oh, well, it's, you know, uh, with school starting and everything, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm going to be watching so many other movies. Okay, so like what? Not, you know, who knows if they're going to be as good as Twilight. They know, won't be. They won't be. They won't be. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So I will, um, I won't personally call, but we'll have our people call your people next week just to check in and see where you're at. All right, sounds good. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can fit it into my, you know, schedule. All right. <laughs> okay, well, thanks, Kevin. Good luck with watching some non-Twilight trash. Yeah. All right, thank you. Bye, Bye Kevin. Bye-bye, see ya. Media Literate is a collaborative podcast produced by Colton Elsie, Sebastian Wurzreiner, Laura Broman, Kim Henry, and Julia Camus. Thanks again to this week's hosts, Laura Broman and Charlotte Skurlock. This episode was edited by Anne Zhang. Our theme music is Soft Feeling by Chiel, and our logo was created by Julia. <laughs>